Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Sergeant First Class John Valentine. Welcome to the Veterans Be Real podcast. Here's where we try to keep it real and do our best to help all our fellow veterans out there. This podcast will hopefully open our veterans' eyes into the transition and challenges they are facing and give them some guidance along the way. Please subscribe and download our podcast. We look forward to you, your insight, and your loyalty. Thanks for listening. And now, here's Veterans Be Real. All right. Well, good morning, Veteran Be Real listeners, or good afternoon, or good evening, depending on what time you're listening to us. Today, I have I have a wonderful guest, April Lewis. She's a veteran. She's going to talk to us a little bit about her time in the military, and then talk to us a little bit about her transition and what she did when she got out, and where she, and then hopefully leading to where she is now, so we can find out about what she's doing now in her community and how we can help her as veterans and soldiers and, and the active duty. So, April, the floor is yours. Well, thank you. Thank you, my friend. Good morning, afternoon, evening to everybody that's listening in. Thank you for tuning in. And yep. to those of you that serve, thank you for your service. If there are any family members on here, thank you for your service as well, because it's definitely equally as important. It's not sometimes more important. As mentioned, my name is April Lewis. I did six years in the United States Army. It's, I love being on veteran shows because I can say stuff like my MOS was 92 Alpha and people Better understand girl. what I'm saying. Right? <laughs> So automated, right, right. So automated logistical specialist, which is like, I think it was like the fancy smart people supply. I heard somebody say that one time, which is yeah. very discriminatory. But I worked in the motor pool and I worked with Black Hawks. I got actually was stationed overseas in Germany. And I spent a lot of time working with Black Hawks and Apaches. And that was absolutely awesome, awesome, awesome being on the flight line every day. Like I said, I did six years. I joined Interestingly enough, while in high school, I am probably one of the few people that called the army and said, hey, I want to come in. And they were like, great. How old are you? And I'm like, 15. And they're like, where's your parents? (laughs) And so I joined technically in the 10th grade and I was in the delayed entry program until I graduated at 17 and went to the military. What's so interesting about that still to this day, I'm the baby of five and I'm the first veteran in my family that as far back as anyone living can remember. So no grandparents, no great grandparents or anything of that nature. It was just me knowing I was going to the army and it was specifically the army. Now, I guess when I get to heaven, God will tell me exactly why that was part of my life plan. Why was Um, that on my path? Yeah. (laughs) Right, right. But it was in... The fifth grade and my family, I'm originally from Mobile, Alabama, so Southern bred girl. My fifth grade teacher, Miss Reese, she still sees my mom to this day and they both just get a laugh out the fact that that little girl knew she was going to the army in the fifth grade. And like I drew a picture and everything. So it was definitely destined. And once I got in, it slowly made sense why. I thoroughly enjoyed being a soldier. I met some amazing people coming out of Alabama. It was good to see different cultures and learn new things, eat different food. You know, first time flying on a plane. It was a lot of firsts that the Army afforded me. Um, And the greatest of them all was like to meet my husband. And my husband, his name. There you go. (laughs) That part. Always winner, helpful. winner. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. So it was like all made worth it once I met Dwayne. And Dwayne and I met, we were stationed at Fort Lee, Virginia. 
He was, at the time, he was the quartermaster too, but he ended up reclassing to 11 Bravo because his heart's desire was to be an infantryman. And when he joined, he literally couldn't get a slot, so he just dove in and a quartermaster. He was actually a laundry and bath specialist. So that's interesting for how he was, given the fact that his, everything about him was to serve as an infantryman. He went to ranger school once he got in, things of that nature. And unfortunately, in him doing what he loved, he was killed in action in 2006 in Baghdad. And it's one of those situations where once the pain left, the gratitude came because there really isn't any other way that would have been worthy of him losing his life other than serving his country. And so he was out of Triple Deuce, the 2nd and 22nd Infantry Battalion, out of Fort Drum when he took his final breath overseas. And so to that end, when I actually got out the military, I was out, not in my right state of mind. I actually started suffering from some severe mental health issues. PTSD was on my back heavy, which led to manifestation of, you know, addiction and behavior issues and suicidal thoughts and things of that nature. And I made the decision that I should just change my atmosphere. So I ended up leaving Fort Bragg and I moved to Columbia, South Carolina. And I knew nothing about Columbia. I knew Fort Jackson was there, but I never went to Fort Jackson. And I literally Googled Columbia, South Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, and Atlanta, Georgia. And Columbia had the cheapest cost of living. So I told the military for my last move, just move me and my poodle down there and we'll figure out the rest. And that's exactly what I did. And that, you know, my friend, was when I had to realize, okay, April, who are you now and who do you want to be? And there was a huge disconnect between the two. I wanted to be a functioning adult in society. I wanted to graduate from college. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to be in love again. I wanted to be healed. You know, I didn't want to suffer mentally. So I started slowly crawling myself to a state of wholeness. And in that crawling, I realized I needed to get a job. And 92 Alpha doesn't easily translate into the civilian sector. Yeah, not so work for the helicopter. Yeah, no, 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 no. They don't get it. They, they think <laughs> the truth. That might not work right. Yeah, that might not work right. <laughs> right. No. So I had to let it all make sense. And I went to the library. I remember going to the main library in Columbia, and I rented or checked out, rather, all of these resume writing books. And I just sat in my home office, and I studied how to write a resume. And I, between the book and Google and YouTube and looking at examples, I put together my resume and I landed a position in healthcare as a receptionist. And interestingly enough, just until recently, when I took the leap for full-time entrepreneurship, I've been in healthcare for over a decade, which nothing about my military service directly said as such. But as a 92 Alpha, I supported other people to do their job well. So in healthcare, we support other people to live well so they can function in society. So that was my transition out. <laughs> wow. Well, that first of all, God bless you for your sacrifice to, to our nation and what we did. For, I mean, losing a loved one, especially a fellow soldier and a loved one, that just that's just that could be devastating. So God bless you for, figure, you know what I'm saying, loving your husband the way he was and remembering him still always. And then, I mean, now, you know, we're connected now because, I mean, that that's a connection as a veteran because I was dual military for a while too. So I know what the, the risk was, you know what I'm saying, as far as family and stuff. So God bless you for that, for sure. And I'm super stoked, you know, because you're one of those type of young ladies, and I'm a huge, I'm a huge female veteran just that's my thing because I had a lot of female soldiers because I was a medical guy. So I had female soldiers. I started off combat arms and then I transitioned to be medical 
And then yeah. I was like, oh my God, now I'm in a world of all these female soldiers. What am I going to do? And I was freaking out a little bit. But then I realized, hey, there's a lot of strength in these women that are in the army and in the military that are doing these things. So let's support them. Let's make them part of the team and build. So that's kind of how I went through my the later part of my career was I was always trying to take care of those female soldiers that came in so that nobody was taking advantage of them and doing the wrong thing. And I was one of those guys that didn't play that game. So I have a lot of respect for my female veterans out there because I know you guys had to put up with extra shit that we didn't have to put up with as men. Yeah. And the woes of those of you that were successful meant that you knew how to handle yourself. You knew how to handle those situations and it set you up for success on the other side of the street. Right. So God bless you, first of all, for all those sacrifices. And, you know, I know Dwayne's in, in Valhalla waiting for the rest of us. So, you know, God yeah. bless him. And we'll be there soon to see you, Dwayne, and we'll hang out. Yeah. Right. So. Let's talk about that, though, because, I mean, that transition going from a 92 Alpha into the medical field, and then where has that led you to now? So where are you at now? What are you doing now with who you are and where you're, what you're about? Oh, yeah. It was an interesting transition. Like I said, I started as a receptionist, and I went from being a receptionist at a company that focused on diabetic supplies for the elderly population right. to working in alcohol and drug abuse for licensed healthcare professionals. Right. And that was such a divine position because it helped me understand more of what I was dealing with and supported me into going in recovery because you don't every day see licensed healthcare professionals, neurologists and psychiatrists and medical doctors who are addicted to Xanax and cocaine or whatever. So it really normalized addiction for me and it helped me see that addiction is a disease and it doesn't discriminate it doesn't matter how smart you are how wealthy you are or what side of the track that you're from so i went up that path through alcohol and substance abuse and then i ended up working with community health centers and community health centers we and i'm out just left the corporate sector but community health centers provide care to over four hundred thousand veterans and they have a lot of relationships with the VA hospitals uh, across the nation just to help with that influx of veterans that can't get into the VA facility. So we do a lot of telehealth services, um, yep. specifically, you know, on the behavior health treatment and things yep. of that nature. So I was a healthcare executive, and I just recently in March got the word from God that it was time, and now I'm a full-time business owner, and I do coaching and consulting, all of which just lead me to the stage of speaking. But right now, there are no stages, and I can't wait to get back on stage. But my focus is really team development with the specific focus in mental wellness, right? And my thing is, in working in the workplace, I saw a couple of things. Leaders love to say, we're changing the culture and we want to make the culture better, but they didn't focus on the individual because individuals make up the culture of an organization. I also saw where leaders have the potential to get to the top and forget about their people that's doing the work. So now I work with individuals and they serve as executive coaches to help them remember your people will show up and do great work for you if you take care of them. So I am that voice of reason. Don't burn them out. Don't overwork them. Focus on what matters, you know, and I always use the example of the military. You know, even in the military, you remember the day that we would be like, move the law from here to there. And the reason was, I want you all to work together to move the law. Sometimes in corporate, they forget to give the why. And so it's like, go to this meeting, take this note, do this thing. But why? And then people create stories in their head and they get exhausted. So I want them to see the why behind the work that they do, take care of themselves first so they can show up to work and be engaged and be an optimal employee. Yeah, I mean, and that's amazing because, you know, that was one of my, that's one of my biggest things, you know, as I went up through the military, because I did 20 years. So I, I progressed up, made it to E7, you know, and I know leaders above me and leaders at my level and the, and the staff, sergeants and all those guys, 
you had a tendency to want to use fear as a tactic to get soldiers to do mm. stuff instead of explaining things to soldiers and say, look, yeah. we got to get this done because the mission set we got. And just give that extra 10 seconds or 15 seconds to kind of give an explanation that makes yeah. sense. And then you get better work results. You get better effort. You get better leaders. You get better followers under you as a leader. And I, you're on point that when people get up to a certain level, sometimes they forget about the minions, yes. how they should treat the minions to make sure the minions right. are doing the job to get them to that level in their company where they need to go. And I think a lot of us get displaced because there's so many other responsibilities on us and so many other, so many other concerns that just, and you're thinking, okay, my other leaders are taking care of that. But realistically, yeah. and I tell this to a lot of leaders, cause I do a lot of public speaking too. And I talk to a lot of leadership and I tell them, look, your soldiers or your workers, they want to hear from you. It's nice to hear from the COO or whoever, the, the little Indian, the little other little you know guys running, but they want to hear from the guy who's making the final decisions or the gal who's making the final decisions because they want to know, they want to reinforce why they're yeah. there working for you. They want to reinforce they believe in your mission and your stuff. So you got to bring yourself back down to that level. And like I have a big thing. I like to take my people out. Do We have lunches. We have barbecues, whatever, yeah. because I want them to know that I'm just a human being too. We're all human. doesn't matter what our position is in the company. We all got to work together to get the mission done. And I think what yeah. you're doing is amazing, especially like you talked about. Because I did a little mental I did a lot of mental health in the Army, too. And I was a mental mm -hmm. health NCO. And I did a lot of – so I worked with a lot of leaders as far as making them understand that fear is only a tactic that can be really effective when there's actual physical fear or if there's actual fear. Okay. If you're trying to threaten them that you're going to get Article 15 or you're going to UCMJ, that ain't going to do nothing but backfire later on because it's going to take that soldier down a path. Versus we're in a combat zone and people are shooting at us and you're yelling and you're that's different because there's real fear. There's real, there's real motivation to get there, but using tactical or what I used to call a blatant tactical fear, which means to take advantage of this person because you're trying to scare them to do the work. It's not effective as just taking a minute to explain why this mission needs it. Why this mission is, why do we got to sweep the line on the, in the motor pool? Because we got to have it clean because the vehicles that also impact and then, okay, all right, Sergeant, here's a broom. I got a broom. Let's go. We're brushing the line, whatever. The point is, it doesn't matter what the task is. It just yeah. give the soldier the respect. And that's only two is, I think a big part of it, like you probably, it's about respect because I should still respect my minions, even though I'm the executive, because they're the ones doing all the labor work. They're the ones doing all the grunt yeah. work. They're the one, and I should show them respect. And when they see respect come from the leadership, especially the top, I think they're better responsive that way. And I think you're in a perfect position to give them that because of your experience your time in the military, and then you got the other stuff you're doing. So it's a great thing, April. I'm super stoked yes. for you. I mean, that's amazing. Yes, I absolutely love it. And the key, you know, I'm working with the health center now that's in California. And yep. I had an awesome call with the CEO and his director of HR. And it was all the things that's going well. Everything is good. They communicate. And, you know, he was like, well, what else do you have for me? And I'm, you know, I asked the question, well, I'm hearing all the good stuff. Yeah. What is it that you need me to do? Because I haven't heard what the issue. Where and the issue, <laughs> right, the issue was the senior leadership team doesn't communicate with the staff. There is a huge disconnect between the two. And I told him, you know, that's not uncommon. So it's okay to say that that's the problem. But we have to bridge that gap. And when you talk about HR, it's human resources. So you have to remember what do humans need in life? And then what do they need in the workplace? Humans need connection. They need to feel like they belong, right? They need a sense of purpose. So if you take care of the human and teach them their job, you have the whole picture covered right there. Yeah, that's what it is. It's that simple, right? So, I mean, it's just, it's an easy thing. And, and like you said, human and then the resource. What are the resources yeah. we need to do to make sure people still feel human at work? I mean, I used to joke around with my human resource people. Like, look, 
they kind of gave you the idiosyncrasy type of job, human resource, because you're, but realistically, it's the resource of us being human that makes this whole job better. So if you could twist that resource word and make it not so official and make it where you're trying to help and you're trying to, you're trying to bring us all into a group and make us all feel part of that team, then the yeah. team gets better and stronger. So yeah, you're on point, girl. You're on point. Yeah. I love it. You, you said it exactly. Take the resources to skip. Like I'm director of HR. Hey, you just got to make sure people care of. They're not widgets. If you, when you're developing an app, make sure the app works good. But for your people, make sure your people work good, which good, means don't right? burn them out. Treat yeah. them equally, right? Give them a seat at the table when they deserve it, and let's hear, go. Yeah. Hear their voice. Hear their position. Yeah. You don't have to agree with it, but you should hear it out of respect to make them feel like their input matters. Even if it doesn't get used, at least it got heard, and they can feel yeah. that respect. And Because I'm a big person to see – it's like it's all this whole diversity thing that's going on in the country right now. Mm-hmm. See, to me, it's about your character, April. It's not about your color. I mean, yes, I yeah. see your color because that's an automatic thing for me to separate. But it's about your character that makes you valuable. It's not about your color, your race, your religion. None of, it's about your character as a human being. Are you trying to make your environment better? Are you trying to make your community better? Are you trying to make your workplace better? That's the character that we should all be striving to be, that type of person that just loves each other because we're all good character. We all care about our community. We all care about our neighbors. doesn't matter about what color they are. It doesn't matter what religion they believe in. What matters is what type of character they have. Are they, are they good people? They yeah, can believe what they want. Good, right. You have to be a good enough person to see the person, if you shut me down because you see my black skin, that's not fair to me. <laughs> yeah, I want to see your heart, April. I want to know who you are in your heart, not what color your skin is. And God bless you. I don't care what color person is. I'm married to a Mexican woman. I mean, I, it doesn't because I love her heart because I love who she is. And I'm sure you're, that's who you love, the heart of a person, right? So, yeah, it's, it's big. It's big. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. And then even talking about the mental health piece, so much of what we're dealing with outside with these racial injustices and protests is people's minds aren't healthy. They haven't been healthy for a long time from trauma that's been carried on for years and years. So you're like me. I like to get to the root cause of issues. You know, the fact me, I'm a black woman. It was nothing that I could do about that. Right. And then I'm a woman and then I'm a veteran and then I'm a, I got all these labels. But at the end of the day, I'm right. The list goes on. But I am a person. And, and from one person to the next, we should be treated equitable. We should That's give it. each other the respect as human beings. It doesn't yeah. matter. It blows my mind, April, because in the military, they train us that way. Like, they train us that way. It didn't always happen that way because we know even in the military, they were racist. Right. You know? And it's sad. But because I, I used to call people out. I used to call my son, Black Star Major. Hey, Star Major, don't, be ta- don't use that word. Don't use the N-word in formation. Yeah. But I, I don't care if, we're, if the primary group is Black. That's just not appropriate because it, what it, because, mm-hmm. and I, I used to get on my black soldiers. Don't think that you can't be racist too as a black person or as a, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Not only white people are racist, you know what I'm saying? Other people are racist mm-hmm. too. It doesn't matter. It's the character of the person that makes you who you are, yeah. right? I have black friends, white friends, gray friends, green friends, purple, doesn't matter. They're friends because of their character, who they are as a person how they love their family, how they treat their neighbors, how they treat the people they meet. I'm one of those type of people that if you're afraid to say hello to somebody you've never met, you really got to look inside who you are. What type yeah. of person are you? Because if you can't say hi to a perfect stranger or good afternoon or how you, how's your day going, then you really need to look at who you are because it has nothing to do. If you see a difference in a person that makes you uncomfortable, I get that because society has done that to us. And mm-hmm. the way people wear their clothes and their, their pants aren't pulled up all the way with and then I laugh at people like that. Hey, man, your pants are down. You did that on purpose? Oh, okay, cool. You know what I'm saying? All right, making sure, bro. You don't want your pants to fall down. So 
it, but it doesn't matter. So, I mean, it, it makes my heart hurt sometimes when I see that this stuff's going on and, and people are taking things to a really hard extreme. And some people use the justification as, well, we need to make a point. Yeah, we can make a point, but we can make a point in a better way. As a veteran like me, I'm a big person. That our veteran community needs to stand up right now and be going to talk to the mayors and the city council. Like, hey, we need to do something about our community to make sure our community where we're all living right now is strong and we're safe and we're looking out for everybody, not just any other color. It's about us standing up and coming together as a group of veterans. And we should all be mixed up, too. There should be a whole bunch of different colors in that group going in and say, Does exactly. all of us are here. We're not looking at each other's color. We're looking at each other's our community. And what can we do to get our police departments? You know, I agree that our police department has a little bit. Sometimes they have a little bit too much leeway for certain things. They shouldn't take things so far. Absolutely. You know, but that but even then, they should look at the human side of that. There's no reason for you to have to smash some person and put your foot on their neck or their knee. You've had them in handcuffs. Put them in the car. Take them to the downtown and book them. You don't need to belittle him. First of all, you're belittling him. You're embarrassing him. You're degrading him. And then on top of that, you're cutting off his oxygen or you're doing whatever. That's not necessary. You don't have power. You have authority. Use your authority. You put him in handcuffs. Once he's in handcuffs, he's no longer he's no longer a threat to you. Right. Put him in the car right. and take him downtown. And everything would have been fine. But you you had to go and take it to the next level and, and act, you know, not right. And that, like you said, the mental health part of it. Because there's, part, there's something there's that's something under that dude's head that just made him think that he was doing right. Or he right, had a, right, right. It's, it's so deep. And then you got to imagine it the same way that those type of people put on a uniform or the same way people put on a suit and tie and a dress and heels and go to work. You got people, I'm working on something now talking about implicit biases. All of us have biases that are just within us. And until we check them, we're going to automatically look a certain way at certain people. Some people are going to look at me a certain way. They'll look at you a certain way. And it's because of what's going on inside of us. So I want leaders to see Tate Harvard has done a phenomenal job of putting those implicit bias assessments together so you can see how you feel about certain people, ethnicities, race, from it's not just gender and race, it's you know, ethnicity and whether they're their sexual orientation, all of these things oh. that you may be holding on, and then you have to show up and lead these people. So it's imperative that we know ourselves to that ourselves be true. Like if you know you have an issue with a certain sect of people. You probably need to stay away from that sect because you don't have the right to mistreat them based off your own emotional and mental baggage. Yeah, and I am right with you, girl, because I'm one of those people like, I would rather know I physically don't like black people so I know that ahead of time. So before I go in that situation, I know how I should conduct my, you know what I'm saying? Like, that ain't the truth. But the point is, when you know what your biases are and you can address them and to deal with them internally, it prepares you for the situation so you don't take it to that level because you know what our society and our community allows for and doesn't allow for it's just it's crazy girl it's crazy you know it's that self-work right it's so easy to point the finger like oh he's this she's this they're this it's so easy but like what they say in kindergarten when you point one finger you got three coming back at you to sit in the mirror and say oh you know actually i am racist racist you know i am stereotypical i do have a prejudice against women in the corporate setting. That's not an easy conversation to have. It's a necessary conversation to have so you can know who you are and present that person to the public without doing any harm. That's why I do what I do. Yeah, and we're glad. I am so glad you do what you do, girl. So that all being said, because I think me and you could have a conversation for a long, me and you could talk for a long time about this stuff. Because yeah, yeah. it's, it's a passion for me that people yeah. just treat people, just treat yourself right. with respect. You know what I'm saying? Just treat people with respect and love 
and give them the benefit of the doubt before and get to know the person before you judge a person. Because you could not like somebody because they're just not a good character person or a good whatever. So, I mean, that's right. not, I don't want to digress too far because I'm telling you, me and you could talk about this for a long time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right, so what I want to do now is I want to bring us back to what you're doing now, what we as a veteran community and an active duty community can do to support you. If it's, I don't care if it's as simple as find your Facebook page, your website, and like it and share it or do whatever. But talk to us a little bit about what you're doing now, what we can do to help you as soldiers and veterans going forward. Oh, bless it. You know, coming out of corporate and taking this leap, like I said, just in March, right now, I'm just focusing on staying in my genius zone. And my genius zone is really lifting people up. So, like you know, on my website, aprillewis.com, it is the contact uh, contact me page. I would love if anybody, anybody that's listening here is working in an organization or knows of an organization that needs an outside person to come in to help lift up the morale, lift up the engagement of the team. I'd love to have a discovery call with them and talk and see if I'm a good fit. I've been on a virtual tour since COVID started, um, yeah. doing a webinar called, right, that coping with COVID-19 personally and professionally. And I bridge the how leaders can support and be responsive to the needs of their team with the importance of self-care and mental wellness, even in a virtual setting, even while being at home. So if anyone that's listening knows the way that I need my support or know another entity that I can support, aprillewis.com is where you can get connected to me on all other platforms. All right, so you guys heard her out there. Listen, and I'm going to take it a step further for April. Even if you're not sure your company, but you see problems in your company, still reach yeah. out to April because she might be able to reach out to the company and say, hey, I offer these services, yada, yada. So even if you work for somebody and you're not the boss making those decisions, doesn't mean you can't reach out to April and say, hey, listen, I think my company could have some issues. Maybe bringing you in might be helping. Could you reach out to X, Y, and Z at, at our company? I, and I'm sure April will do it because somebody at her, that company's concerned, she could show that as a part of exactly what she does. So you guys out there, and all this information will be on our website, on our Facebook page, on her episode link. So if you guys look it up, and her flyer will be coming out here soon. So you can check her flyer. All that contact information will be on there, guys. So April, I am blessed now to know you, girl. I'm, I appreciate you, you taking the time to be on this episode with us and sharing your expertise and your career and everything else that happened. And I wish you nothing but the best going forward. And if there's anything that we can do, feel free to reach back out to me if I can help you in any way. All right, thank you, April. Bless you, sir. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Hope you all got something out of this podcast today. Please tell a battle buddy about us and stay tuned for our upcoming podcast. Don't forget to visit our website at www.veteransbereal.com. Support us because we got your back. Till next time, everyone. I'm out of here. Ooh.